things that you would like to swap away for the blessings of God. It wouldn't hurt your feelings one bit to de depart for them to depart from your life. We all have those kinds of things in our lives. I have good news for you. Jesus wants to swap with you. He wants to take what you have, and he wants to give you what he has. And if you're willing to swap with him, you'll get the better end of the deal. Amen? If you have your Bibles this morning, I'd like for you to take those and turn with me to Isaiah chapter 61. Isaiah chapter 61. And then I would like for you also to mark in your Bibles Luke chapter 4. Isaiah 61 and Luke chapter 4. I knew we had some Kleenexes somewhere. I've got to start popping that lid because I have been pouring water on my pulpit every week. feel like I'm at home wiping up my mess off the counter. Are you there? Isaiah 61 and Luke chapter 4. Let's look at Isaiah chapter 61 first. Beginning at verse 1, it says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God." to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, so that he may be glorified. Amen. Praise the Lord. I love that passage of Scripture. Pray with me. Father, I'm so excited to preach this message today. I believe that there are individuals in this house this morning that their desire, they, their deepest desire, is to move from where they are to where they desire to be in you. Lord, I believe more than anything that they just simply want to part from the negativity that has been controlling their life and their actions. And that what they want more than anything is to be that oak tree that has been planted in its place by your hand and by your spirit. The Lord, today as we turn to your word, help me to speak effectively. Help me to speak passionately. Help me to speak in a way that is accurate to Scripture because it is your word when given accurately to your people. It is your word that will cause them to find victory in their lives. So, Father, we give you the praise. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You know, I've never been very good at swapping things because I always somehow tend to get the bad end of the deal. Uh, you know, I've tried to swap from time to time, but for some reason, I just always tend to put less value on what I have 
and more value on what someone else has, and then I swap and I discover that I had it backwards, that what they had to offer was not nearly as valuable as what I had to offer. And I think sometimes in life we do that. I think God comes to us and he speaks things like this and he says, I have something that I would like to give you, but in order for you to receive it, you're going to have to be willing to get rid of or part with the things that you are holding with such value in your life. And this passage of Scripture is very clear that there are some things that God, through Jesus Christ, has provided for us. It becomes our responsibility to decide and determine that we're going to take what God has for us and utilize it in our lives. Now this is a very familiar passage of Scripture. If you've been in church for very many times in your life, you've probably heard a pastor preach about this or speak about this. It's because it's a powerful promise that God gives us. Now there are two components that I want to share with you quickly this morning about this passage of Scripture. And the first component is, I want us to understand that this is a prophetic announcement. Now, if you've been coming on Wednesday nights, you know that we are in a study of the spiritual gifts. And we weren't able to be here this Wednesday night because of the snow and the ice. But the week prior to that, we talked about the gifting of a prophet. And we explained the difference between foretelling and forthtelling. Now, an Old Testament prophet was foretelling in the sense that they were saying something that had not happened yet. They were telling something that God was speaking, but no one had any knowledge of it yet. So they were foretelling. They were telling something that was yet to be completed and fulfilled in the future. Now, in the New Testament, prophets are foretellers. In other words, we have more information before us than the Old Testament prophets did in that we have the written Word of God. This Bible, every jot, every crossed T is God's Word. And so it is important for us in these days to represent the Word of God properly so that the Word of God can have an effect upon our lives. So modern-day prophets are foretellers. They're telling something that has already been declared, and they are, they are declaring it forth that God has already said this, He promised this, and it has been fulfilled. Now, let's look at the part that is prophetic. All of it is, but the part that I want to draw your attention to is verses 1 and 2. It says, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Notice verse 2, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God and to comfort all who mourn. Now, I'm going to point out this statement in verse 2 that says, and the day of vengeance of our God. Isaiah prophesied that a Messiah is coming who is not only going to bless, 
but he is going to usher in a time when the vengeance of God will be felt upon the earth. Now I want you, if you will, to go over to Luke chapter 4 with me. Another very familiar passage of Scripture, Luke chapter 4, beginning at verse 18. It says this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good good news to the poor. This is Jesus speaking. He, He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, the recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then verse 20, he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed upon him. And he began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Now, he said, this scripture, this prophecy that he repeated from Isaiah 700 years before, he said, you have just witnessed the fulfillment of that prophetic utterance. But it's interesting, as I was studying this week, that there's something that is missing in this. Isaiah said, not only is he going to set at liberty the captives and give sight to the blind, but he says he is also going to be responsible for ushering in the vengeance of God upon the earth. But when Jesus said it, he left that part out. When Jesus said it, there is a period after to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. If you go back to Isaiah's prophecy, you won't find a period there. You will see a comma there. Because he then adds that there will be vengeance that comes upon the earth. But Jesus puts a period there. Not because there won't be vengeance upon the earth one day. But because that is not what Jesus was doing in that moment. He came to save. He came to set free. But he had not come yet to usher in a season of vengeance. When does that come? That comes at the second coming of Jesus Christ when the rapture of the church has taken place and Jesus comes again. Listen, if you've forgotten, you need to understand this earth is going to pass away. Everything about this earth is going to go away one of these days and God through Jesus Christ is going to reestablish a kingdom upon the face of this earth that will be holy and that we will be able to spend eternity in. But Jesus said, I I didn't come to uh, bring vengeance right now. That's not my purpose right now. In John chapter 3 verse uh, 16 it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And verse 17 says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Listen. If you don't hear anything else I say, listen well to this. Jesus is not out to get you. He did not come to destroy you. He did not come to put you down. He came to deliver you. He came to pull you out of your sinfulness and set your feet upon a solid foundation through Him. You have hope today because of Jesus Christ. Amen. He said this day, You have heard in the hearing of your ears the fulfillment of the prophecy that came through the mouth of Isaiah. So it was a prophetic announcement. 
And secondly, I want us to understand today that there are some practical applications that are involved in this passage of Scripture. And the first is this. He said, Isaiah said that when the Messiah comes, one of the things that he is going to do is he's going to give you beauty for ashes. I've always loved that. You know, in Bible days, when people would mourn over a situation, they would, they would, they would create a fire symbolizing that something had passed away. So there, was a, there was a passage of some sort a new season in their life. And they, they would symbolize that by building a fire and letting that fire go to ashes. And then they would go and they would sit down in those ashes. And they would sit there sometimes for hours and sometimes for days and, and, and sometimes for months. They just couldn't find their way out of the ashes. And one of the things that their friends and family members would do as a way of support, if you will, is that they would come and they would put ashes upon their head. They would put it upon their shoulders. It would, it would sit upon their back. And so they would sit here day after day, hour after hour in these ashes so that when people came by, they would know that they are mourning something that something has been lost in their life. Now, one of the, one of the primary uh, examples and one of the most well-known examples of this in Scripture is found in Job, where the Scripture says that the enemy, the devil, came, before, uh, came into the heavenlies and had a conversation with God. And, and God said, this has always been interesting to me, God said to the devil, have you considered my servant Job? Have you ever thought about, you know, trying to tempt him and test him? Why, why don't you go and see if you can take Job down? And, of course, we know the story. He was very rich. He was known as a righteous man. He had a wonderful family. But just little by little, the enemy came and began to take it all away from him. He began to put sores and boils upon his body. His kids were destroyed by a whirlwind. His crops his, uh, and, and his uh, flocks were taken and gone. And all of these things were taken away from him. But God said, I will not allow you to kill him. Aren't you thankful for that? Aren't you glad that though you may go so, through some very difficult times in your life that we have a merciful God who said, I may let you be tempted from time to time, but I'm going to keep my hand of protection upon you. He said, you cannot kill. Well, he, he, he did what I just described to you. He was found sitting in ashes. And his friends came and they would sit down with him and try to explain to him what he did wrong and how this passage of, uh, of life uh, was, was, was indicating that something was wrong there. Righteous Job, the one who God said was righteous, and here he is sitting in a pile of ashes. I'm looking at people today that I've known you now for several years and I know that many of you are as righteous as they come. I know that you love Jesus with all of your heart. I know that you consider him first above every decision. I know that many of you are living and putting him first, seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and you're waiting for all of these promises and things uh, to come to pass in your life. 
But I'm also looking at people and I know that there are some on Facebook Live this morning that you're in a season of your life where you're sitting in a pile of ashes. Something's been taken from you. Something's been stolen from you. You are in a time of mourning in your life. Maybe it's sickness in your body. Maybe it's a relationship that is falling apart. Maybe it's a job that, <clears throat> that is crumbling before your very eyes. And you're sitting and you're mourning and you're wondering what to do. I've been there myself. I mean, in recent days, I have... I have put more ashes on my head over a dumb water pipe in Cleveland, Tennessee than you can even imagine. I need a plumber who can fix it and not charge me what it would cost me to fly to the moon. And, and, and it's something that has to be done. I can't ignore it. I can't just ask it to go away. It's real life. But instead of trusting God, there are times that we decide to make our own choices and do it instead of letting God do it. And in the meantime, God, I'm just going to sit here on this pile of ashes. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You're righteous. You love the Lord. But circumstances have come into your life that have you sitting on a pile of ashes. I've got good news for you today. Isaiah said there's coming a Messiah who is not only going to save you from your sins, uh, but he's going to swap you beauty for ashes. Amen. He's going to take the morning moments of your life uh, and he's going to provide a beauty in the midst of your ashes. Amen. Well, what does that beauty look like? Thank you for asking. In the Old Testament, with this word beauty here describes a headdress. One that you might wear when you are celebrating. I don't know how, how many of you are sports fans, but uh, you, you, those of you who are, you already know this. When a team wins a championship, how many of you know they already have a box of brand new hats in the back room and they're ready to pass them out and it doesn't say the name of the team as boldly as it says world champions super bowl champions whatever the event is they have already thought in advance I'm not going to wear some tattered, torn-up hat. I'm going to wear a cap, a hat, a headdress that represents who I am in this moment. And what God is saying is, is you can wear your morning cap all you want to, but I want you to take that morning cap off of your head and put a celebration on your head, a headdress that says to the world around you, I may have gone through something. I may have gone through a hard time, but look at what this headdress says and represents. I'm a child of the Most High God. I'm more than a conqueror through Him. Amen. I am not down. I'm up because of Jesus Christ. That's what He's saying. He's saying it doesn't matter what you go through. God is going to give you a headdress that will help you to celebrate in your moments of mourning. Amen. I think somebody ought to praise the Lord right there. Then he says, he said Jesus will come and he will swap your mourning for the anointing oil of joy. Now, let's just get honest for a few minutes. Can we do that? There are some people that they like mourning. 
They, they like what it brings to their life. They like the attention. You can read their Facebook page and almost every day they've got some downer comment on there about I, I thought I was going to make it and, and I fell again. Hallelujah to the name of the Lord. It just, some people, they just love mourning. They just love how, having a sourpuss attitude. Don't be looking around at people now. It's a bad time for you to be checking to see who's in attendance today. I know people like that. They like mourning. But the Lord's saying, I want to anoint you with something different than your mourning. I want to take the mourning from you, and I want to anoint your head with the, the oil of joy. Amen. I don't know if I want that. Because you know how Pentecostals are. When they start with the oil, sometimes they can get way out of hand. Yet I don't mind a little dabble, do you? But I don't like it when they start throwing it up on the top of my head and it coming down my beard. And that, that's just the women coming down my beard and coming down my clothes. I, 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 don't, I don't know if I want that. Listen, I'm just going to go on record as saying right now, if the Holy Spirit of God is the one doing the, the pouring of the oil, I want him to pour until he gets good and finished. Amen. I want everything that he has for me. A couple of weeks ago, we, you know, we were praying for sick people, and we had, you know, the eye on people coming by, and, you know, people always look at me with one eye closed and one eye open to see if I'm getting ready to put my finger on them or whatever, and, you know, they want to be prepared. And, 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 and one lady came through, and when she got up to me, she, she, she put her hands underneath her bangs, and she lifted her bangs up like this so that I could have full access to her forehead. I like that. That's somebody who said, I don't want a little dab. This is not Brill Cream that we're talking about. A little dab will not do me. I want all that the Lord has for me. You see, this oil had to do with their, with their bathing issues. Back in, in Scripture days, they didn't take showers and baths every day like many of us do. I'm so thankful that I married a woman that likes to be clean, don't you? I mean, don't you, aren't you thankful that you have people in your life that they, they like, you know, they like to smell good? I was telling Miss Rosemary this morning, I said, I don't know why it is Rosemary, but every time I think about you and say your name, I think about perfume. I said, I, I don't even know what Rosemary is, really. But I just, I always think about something that smells good when I say rosemary. And I said, maybe it is, it's because you smell good. I'd a whole lot rather smell rosemary than doggy do, wouldn't you? Whole lot rather. But I'm telling you, we like sometimes our morning clothes. We, we like to stay in that place. But as long as we're in that moment of mourning, we cannot represent God the way that he desires for us to represent him. So what he's talking about is he's talking about in a spiritual sense. He said, I'm going to clean you up. I'm going to put you in the shower. I'm going to let the warm water run from the top of your head. I'm going to get the toe jam out between your toes. Uh, I'm going to get some cleaner and get inside your ear. 
here. I'm going to wash your hair. I'm going to put conditioner on it. I'm going to make you lift up your armpits and I'm going to clean those real good. And then I'm going to put an oil on you that is going to make you smell like righteousness. It's going to make you smell like victory. It's going to smell, it's going to make you smell like you are more than a conqueror. It's going to make you smell like you are victorious in every way of your life. Listen, I'm tired of having the junk of the world keep me from smelling and putting forth a sweet smelling savor unto the Lord. I want him to clean me up. And the prophet Isaiah said, that's exactly what's going to happen. I'm going to anoint you with an oil that is going to keep you clean and make you clean and make you smell like you belong in the kingdom of God. How many of you know I'm talking in spiritual terms today? I'm talking about our lives ought to smell like Jesus. The words of our mouth ought to smell like the words of Jesus. The attitude of our heart ought to smell like Jesus. We need to be like Jesus. He didn't come to just make our sin a little less. No, he came to destroy our sin and to help us to be men and women of righteousness in the kingdom of God. He said, I'll swap your mourning for your anointing, uh, for the anointing oil of joy. Thirdly, it says, Isaiah said, he will swap heaviness for the garment of praise. Heaviness for the garment of praise. Man, I like that. Listen, you know, I've, I've had the opportunity for the last few weeks, and I'm going to be nice, okay? I'm gonna, I made a promise and a, and a resolution, and... 2018, I'm going to be nice. But since the Lord has had me standing up here for a few weeks playing the bass, I have the unique opportunity to watch as people come into the house of the Lord and find your seat and see whether or not you're worshiping, seeing whether or not you're lifting your hands unto the Lord, seeing whether or not you're clapping your hands. I don't believe we need all that. But Scripture says that we are supposed to lift our hands to Him. The Scripture says, clap your hands, all ye people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. I like, I like one of those quiet churches. I like it when they run the lights down real low so that I can hide back in the corner and nobody knows that I'm even here. <laughs> I sent a text to somebody here a few weeks ago and I said, I've been missing you at church. And they said, I was there Sunday. And I said, where? They said, in the back corner. And I said, well, why don't you come out where the light is every now and then so that I can see you? Sometimes people just like just coming and doing their religious thing and then just going out with ever having actually worshipped God. Listen, if that's all this is, why don't we just all stay home? Why don't, why don't we just stay home and we can watch all the Pentecostals shout on TV and then we don't have to do it. It's not about what we observe. It's what we give to God as a sacrifice of worship and praise. When I come here, I may not feel like worshiping the Lord. I may be carrying a coat of heaviness. It may be a heavy coat of illness and sickness. It, it may be a heavy coat of disease. It, it may be a heavy coat of, uh, of parenting or of, of, of being a spouse 
house to someone who's not treating me right. It may be a heavy coat uh, of finances. It may be a heavy coat uh, that has come upon me. It, it may be anything that, that puts weight upon me. But the prophet Isaiah said, listen, when the Messiah comes, uh, he's going to do something in your life uh, that will remove the heaviness. Uh, the heavy coat will come off of you uh, and he will replace it uh, with a spirit of praise and worship and glory to the name of Jesus Christ. I, why don't we just take a moment and praise him right now? That man, Job, that I told you about, he went through hardship. He lost, but he refused to give up. He said things like this, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. But one of the favorite things that he said to me is found in the last chapter when he begins looking back over his life and realizing that in the midst of heartache and in the midst of heaviness and in the, diff the, the, the midst of difficulty that God showed up and God brought restoration into his life. And the Bible says that the last days of Job were better than the first days of him. And he made this statement. Uh, he said, I have heard about you uh, with the hearing of the ear but now my eyes uh, see you I'm praying for you this year uh, that you'll stop just uh, hearing things and just hearing messages and hearing songs uh, but I pray that one of these days uh, when you realize what the mercy of God has done for you and the choir is singing uh, that you'll be sitting there in your seat uh, and you'll say oh God you've been so merciful to me I I can't sit here in this seat. I can't stand here and not give you praise. I have got to glorify your name for your goodness and your mercy and your grace upon me. Hallelujah. He needs a worshiping church. He doesn't need a church that gets on Facebook every other day and, and says, well, you know, Trump did this. If you, th if you like it, yes equals that like. Who cares? I mean, you know, really, has the church gotten to the place where, you know, that we've got to take our little pieces of junk to... Why don't we just say, you know, things aren't going quite the way that I had envisioned them to go, but one thing I know is that God is in control. Jesus Christ is still sitting on the throne of righteousness. It's going to be okay. <clears throat> I may not be able to see it in my natural eye, but that's okay. I don't walk in the flesh by my natural eye anyway. I walk in the spirit with my spiritual eye, and I believe that through Christ all things are possible. Amen. Let's be a praising church. Let's be a glorifying church. Let's honor God. Amen. I'm not here to make you mad today. I'm trying to say to you that what the prophet Isaiah is saying is that when you swap your negativism and you swap all this disgusting stuff that's in your life uh, and you put praise in your lips and worship in your mind, it will change who you are. Amen. You say, I don't like raising my hand. I dare you to do it. 
I dare you to do what the Word of God says. I dare you the next time that, that the Lord is, is speaking to your heart and says, why don't you just go ahead and praise me in advance? Why don't you just go ahead and lift your hand up and give me praise? I know I haven't done it yet, but the answer's already on the way. Just like Daniel, 21 days ago I heard your prayer, and 21 days ago I sent the answer to you, but there's been some heavenly warfare that's taking place. That's okay. That's not a problem for God. God can take care of heavenly warfare, but we've got to fix our eyes upon the truth of God's promise and declare that though I may not see it with my eye I see it with my spirit and it's coming it's on the way and if I were you next week when I I wouldn't even wait till next week I'd probably just start right now I'd stop sitting here saying well you know it's so hard life's so tough it's so difficult listen I get it I understand life can be hard sometimes but if we sit in our ashes, we're never going to transform our voice to a voice of praise. And he said, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take all that bad stuff out. I'm, I'm just going to remove it from your spirit and you are going to become a vessel that is filled with praise. Better move on. Pastor David Smith, who pastors the Oak Park Church of God in Mobile, Alabama, posted on his Facebook this week about his 23-year-old son who is in the hospital at UAB, which I think is University of Alabama, Birmingham. 23 years old, having to have major extensive heart surgery on this 23-year-old boy who has a, a condition that is rare and, and not seen very often. And this family is going through this moment of difficulty. And in that moment of difficulty, instead of pastor saying, I'm so troubled, I'm so frustrated, I don't know why God has not given me the answer to my prayer. I don't know this, I don't know why that. Here's what he wrote. He said, my most profound experience of worship has been in my darkest moments. Can I say that again? My most profound experience of worship has been in my darkest moments. I've been there. You, you may have been out on a boat fishing or you, you may have been out on a campground camping. You, you may be at work. You may, you may have been at home by yourself and, and the weightiness and the heaviness uh, had been on you and then all of a sudden the spirit of the, the living God rose up in you uh, and, and tears begin to flood your eyes and, and, and you begin to realize that, that God is more than able to see you through even the darkest of experiences uh, and in your moment of frustration and in your moment of fear, somehow or another, you find a way to raise your hand and raise your, vo your voice and raise your face uh, and give praise to the one who is deserving at all times in our lives. Our deepest worship experience come oftentimes in our darkest moments. And I'm ready to quit. There's one other thing that he said. We have to swap weakness for stability. 
notice what he said. Let me flip back there. I want to get it right. That they may be called oaks of righteousness. The planting of the Lord so that he may be glorified. Did you know that God wants you to be successful? Not just for you. But he knows that when the world sees his spirit working in you, it brings glory to his name. I was listening to some gospel music on TV last night. Gaither Vocal Band. The young man who... uh, can't remember his first name, but he's Jason Crabb's brother. He probably gets tired of hearing that. He started singing, and the first line that he said just broke my heart, and I started crying and weeping in my seat. And he said, Sometimes, sometimes it takes a mountain. Can I say to you today that sometimes it takes a mountain? Sometimes it takes a desert. Whatever it takes to drive you to your knees, God will allow that thing to come into your life because He is more concerned about developing you into a child of praise than He is you keeping your knees clean. He wants you to grow. He wants you to mature in Him. And whatever it takes, listen to this. It says that they should be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. Who does the planting? Who decides where the tree is going to be? Who decides where it's going to have the most effect? Several years ago, my wife and I had just been married, and we were living in Fresno, California, and I I got a job on the landscaping crew. West Coast Bible College in Fresno, California. We got to mow the grass and we got to weed the flower beds. And I'm telling you, I thought thought that was the greatest job in the world. I love being outside. I I love that kind of thing. And I, I just loved it so much. One day, the president of the college came and got me. And he said, Rob, come with me if you will. And he took me to this little circle between the library and the chapel and the administrative offices. And he said, do you see this circle of dirt? Yes, sir. We've never been able to get anything to grow in that circle. Nothing will grow there. We'll put beautiful flowers in there. They all die. We've put shrubs in there. They die every time. We've put other things in, and for whatever reasons, this spot is infertile. And he said, I want you to come up with a good idea as to how to make it fertile. I thought, why in the world is the president of the college asking me to do something like this? But I prayed about it. I said, Lord, there's dirt in there. We get rain. Something should grow there. I don't know what will grow there, but I something should grow there. So I went and I got me a shovel. And I started digging because I realized that something underneath the surface 
was preventing that ground from being fertile. And I dug 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 until I got probably four or five feet underground. And when I got down there, you know what I found? I found chunks of concrete from when they were pouring the sidewalk they just chunked it down in the hole and they covered it over and everything that had any kind of a root system on it could not grow except for a certain time and then when it when it encountered the chunks of concrete it would die I pulled all of those chunks of concrete out of there and I went and got me a palm tree that was about this tall now listen Palm trees grow real well in California, but they don't grow very good in Michigan. How many of you know that? It's important that what you're trying to sow goes into the proper ground. Somebody say amen. You're sowing seed somewhere where it's not going to happen unless it's a miracle from God, just like Abraham. For years, he sowed his seed into an infertile woman. But then God came on the scenes and he made what was infertile, fertile. And he trusted God one more time and planted one more seed. And because he did, Sarah became pregnant and they became the fathers of faith. Seed has to be planted in the right place. I planted the, the palm tree. Everybody on campus made fun of me. <laughs> Nothing's ever grown there before. Nothing's ever been healthy there before. That's infertile. I said, no, it's not infertile anymore. A miracle has taken place. We have found the problem that was causing the infertility, and this palm tree will grow. I had faith. I believed. That palm tree stayed alive the whole time we were there. I went back several years later and I was walking around that campus and I came down that and turned that corner and came down that sidewalk and that little palm tree that had been about this tall when I planted it all those years ago, I had to stand there and look up at this mighty palm tree that had found fertile ground and had grown and was standing as a testimony to what God is able to do. Now, now the Isaiah wasn't talking about palm trees. How many of you know palm trees, they can go down and they can come up and they can be moved by the winds of circumstances. He's saying God is going to make you something beyond a palm tree. He's going to make you like a tree that is planted by the rivers of water. You're going to be a mighty oak tree. Let the wind come. Let the rain come. Let the storm come. You're going to stand there in the power, in faith that I am who God has called me to be hallelujah I'm going to be an oak God hadn't called me to be a waffle I like waffles yesterday I had my I asked my wife I said how do you make french toast I'm getting smart I've learned that if I asked her how to make something she'll say if you'll just sit down and get out of the way I'll come do it How you make French toast? She said, I'll, I'll come make it. She doesn't have a waffle maker. I'm going to pray that God gives her a waffle maker. So why don't you buy her one for Christmas? Oh, no. 
No, I'm learning that you don't give women household gifts at Christmas. I learned that the hard way. I like waffles, but I ain't no waffle. You take waffles out of the maker and they can fall apart. Sometimes their top blows off. Sometimes they blow up in the middle. Sometimes you can't get the butter to stay in them because they're, they're all falling apart. I like waffles, but I thank God I'm not a waffle. I like palm trees. They're pretty. They're, they're good in the right place, but I thank God I'm not a palm tree. I'm, th- I'm thankful today that God in His infinite wisdom has said, Rob Baker, if you'll take it from me, if you'll receive it from me, if you'll believe that it can happen, I intend to raise you up to be a mighty oak of righteousness uh, who that when people look at you and see you, it will bring glory to my name. Amen. Look at that man going in victory. Look at that man walking as an overcomer. Look at this man avoiding temptation. Look at that man of character and integrity. How does he do it? He does it because he has the spirit of the living God living within him. Amen. I want to be everything he's called me to be. I want to be his man. Will you stand with me? Let me ask you this today. How many of you are in a swapping mood? How many of you'd like to swap your sin for salvation today? Can I see your hands? How many of you would like to swap your depression for joy? How many of you would like to swap your fear for confidence how many of you would like to swap all that the enemy has placed on you swap it for what God has in store for you if that's you and you have anything this morning that you want to swap and get what God has in store for you I want you to get down here to this altar as fast as you can get here I want to pray for you today I want to pray for you. Come on, you're not Keith, you're coming, but you're not coming fast enough. Come on down here. You're the key, because when you get down here, there's going to be some more that come. See, look at them. They're coming from everywhere. They're coming from everywhere this morning. You were the key to this altar call, sir. Taking your first step down here. Come on, just come all the way across here. Come all the way across here. I've got something in my life I want to swap and get it off of.